signals for the Baltimore Colts. Unitas gives to Amici. The Colts are the world champions. Amici scores. Amazing, sensational, dramatic, heart-rending, exciting, thrilling finish in the history of college football. California has won the big game. Go crazy, folks. This is Phil Steele. This is Mike Burnham. This is West Durham. This is Mike Ashley. Woo, mercy, this is handsome Jimmy Vane, the boogie woogie man. Hey, guys, I'm ESPN's Marty Smith, and you're listening to Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson. Are you ready to rock? Are you ready to rock? Okay, let's do it. You're in the doghouse with Rick Watson and Big Dog Sports Talk on the WRAD Talk Network, 101.7, 103.5, and 1460. Simulcasting on 710 WFNR. Streaming online at WRADradio.com and the TuneIn app for your phone. Join the conversation now on the Long and Foster Baker Team Hotline, 540-639-4900. Now your host, Rick Watson. Rick Watson. edition of the program hope you're doing well wherever you might be we'd like to hear from you as always on the baker team hotline 639-4900 rick at new river radio the capital r the text line as well 744-2990 mike burnup scheduled to join us from louisville kentucky 705 jermaine farrell after that then david smith our nfl correspondent in the third hour Check plays Louisville tonight. That's four win Louisville. Their 11 point favorites are the Hokies. Carolina keeps making a push toward the tournament. They win last night on the road at Florida State. Florida State had just beaten Miami. I think Carolina's going to get in. I think they're going to do enough. High school basketball last night in the Dedman Center. We'll review what happened. But the big story that happened yesterday here locally, football-wise, and my goodness gracious, I've heard from many of you at 744-2990. Also on my BDST Instant Messenger. Lots of concern with, um, i got to be honest, somewhat a surprising development with uh, Joe Rudolph, the much-hyped offensive line coach who came to join Brent, Pi- uh, Brent Pry's first staff from Wisconsin. He was one and out. Took the job at Notre Dame yesterday. So this is now two offensive assistants that have left for other gigs. 
coming out of the morning hunger drills and getting ready for the spring. And a lot of people did not like Joe Rudolph's statement. I'm just reading what I'm, or letting you know what I got yesterday. I'm just going to read the whole thing. And you can tell me what you think. He says, I do not know why God called me and my family to Blacksburg, but we will forever be grateful. We have been humbled by the kindness and generosity of the people, the fans, the alumni, and all that call themselves Hokies. Brent Pry is a special man, an outstanding leader, an incredible coach. He has surrounded himself and this program with people of that same image. If you are a fan, an alum, a player, a staff member, a Hokie in any way, get on board now and hold on because this program is going in the right direction. An unshakable foundation is being constructed from the ground up. I'm incredibly grateful to have been able to work side by side with these coaches. Sometimes the moment you feel at home and comfortable, God pushes you in a new direction and presents you with new challenges. You may fight and resist, but eventually you must face the fact that God is way more powerful than you and God works on a schedule that is oftentimes different than yours. So basically, reading between the lines, Jerry Rudolph is saying God made him leave Virginia Tech. Right? Had nothing to do with making much more money and having more talented players in depth than South Bend. No, no. Yeah, so I agree after reading through it. I get why people didn't like the statement. Many of the people were very upset about the statement that was sent. And I understand that. But the bigger problem is now, you know, we had Coach Pry on. He said one of the things he was most proud of was being able to keep his staff intact. It was very important going into year two. And now you've lost two offensive coaches. And the two coaches that are responsible for the most two important positions on that offense. Quarterbacks coach. New quarterbacks coach hasn't been named. And now your offensive line coach on a unit that was not what many had expected it to be last year. You can say that. Take some solace in that Tech fan. Joe Rudolph was here one year and didn't have a very good offensive line and didn't really develop any depth behind the starting five. So you do at least have that to say, well, it's not like he came here and all of a sudden Tech's offensive line was one of the premier fronts in the country because that wasn't the case right so I don't know it never made much sense why the line didn't improve we asked that question throughout the season we kept bringing that up why is the line seemingly regressing big payday Didn't really, the vibe when he left Wisconsin, talking about uh, Joe Rudolph. Was he about to lose his job there? I don't know. He came here for one year, now he's out. The timing seems very strange from both, to be honest. The timing is not ideal. We're going to talk to Mike Burnham about this. If we're able to connect with him, I think we're still going to have Mike today. He didn't usually lets me know otherwise. 
when he's traveling. I think we're okay. They have to be in Louisville all day, and then you've got the 9 o'clock game tonight. Ooh, boy. Nothing like sitting around all day for a 9 o'clock game between Tech and Louisville tonight. Four-win Louisville. But that's a different topic for later. So, you know, and I guess two things can be true at the same time, right? And I think this is the way, the best, the healthiest way to look at it. Um, yes, it's not ideal to lose, your head, uh, to lose these two coaches. As a matter of fact, it's bad to lose these two coaches right now especially. But, I don't know how to say it because I don't want to dog the kids, but the quarterback's position and the offensive line position, neither one was overwhelming last year. So you figure you can get coaches in there now with more depth, hopefully at both. You know you're going to have at least a battle for the quarterback job. I think that's why there's so much focus on uh, losing uh, Glenn. And with the offensive line, we're not sure. They didn't add anybody out of the portal. Got to get a bunch of young guys, a bunch of recruits. I don't, I don't know how the offensive line's going to look. Do they bring back a former Hokie? Todd Washington's name was popping up yesterday. Dwight Vick floated that out there. Maybe that happens. But the two things that can be true at the same time is, yeah, it's concerning. The timing is really bad. But the second time, uh, the second part of this is you do have time to get somebody else in there. And it's not as if, again, you're having necessarily wonderful coaching performances from either one of the guys who left. I mean, I'm just saying. Nobody walked away from those two positions as Irving Tech football in 2022 saying, wow, that was, those, those were some strong suits of the program. So I don't know. I don't think there's any reason to panic. I've seen so many uh, message boards and threads, people – saying all sorts of things here and there. And I'm not going to speculate. I had a lot of questions about, do I feel like there's turmoil within the program? Is this a sign that things are coming unraveled? I really, I I can't say that. I don't feel that. I I think this is just a situation where with Coach Glenn, he had a chance to go work with his old friend. The timing's not ideal. He was with Coach Satterfield at App State, so he made the move to Cincinnati. This one seems a little different. But Joe Rudolph has a reputation from his years at Wisconsin. He's a Midwestern type of coach, right? Went to school at Wisconsin. Coached there. Now he's going to Notre Dame. I mean, he's a Big Ten type of school guy. Even on Notre Dame plays five games in the ACC, but still. Indiana, Wisconsin, you're in that same area. It's not as if having him on the staff really did a lot for them in recruiting. But someone asked my opinion on this about whether or not this is kind of blindsided Coach Pry. I think Joe Rudolph leaving, I'm sure there were discussions going on. It's not as if the news came out when we heard about it and it was the first time. I think a lot of times we or fans forget 
that just because when it's released <laughs> doesn't mean that it hasn't already been decided and discussed within you know, a program or professional organization well before it comes out in the media, okay? I'm sure when it was first broached, Coach Pry was probably like, whoa, okay, well, not much I can do there. I mean, it's Notre Dame, for goodness sakes. Okay, well, this isn't ideal. He probably had to say, this isn't ideal. This is not what I had uh, expected, but we'll, we'll pivot. Right? Like, I don't think there's any kind of panic going on over there. I really don't. But, yeah, it's not ideal. That's the other side of it. No, not at all do you want to lose your quarterback's coach when you bring in a kid who's going to put some pressure on the incumbent and might win the job. Or how's the offensive line going to look? You'd like to see Joe Rudolph work with these younger kids, guys that he's familiar with, the system of the way he likes to block, the things that he teaches within Tech's offense. Now you have to bring somebody else in. And now you have to get them acclimated to a brand new offensive line coach. And that offensive line coach has to listen to what Coach Pry wants, his vision of the blocking schemes and the running game and the things like that, how they're going to pass, protect, cadences, all these different things have to be reinstalled. And there's the, there's the not being ideal part that you might not think about. Maybe even more so than the person leaving, it's – having to incorporate somebody brand new and get them on board. And now you're getting into March soon, and spring ball is going to be here before you know it. So we'll talk to Mike Burnup about this, how long this has been in the works. We probably will never know. It doesn't feel like it's something that's been in the works for a long time. But no, it's not ideal. Not at all. But at the same time, I don't think you can just say, hey, the sky is falling until we see how it all plays out, who's added to the staff. And who knows? Maybe the high-priced coach that you brought in who didn't necessarily get the results that many expected to see, myself included, maybe bringing someone in who appreciates the place a little bit more or may not have the reputation, but is going to be able to find his niche. Maybe in the long run it works out. I don't know. But now you have two open positions on your coaching staff that are very important, especially at the collegiate level. They're important also in the NFL, clearly. But here at this level, it's more of a day-to-day teaching and grooming type of deal. So not having those coaches on your staff is a big deal. It was a big deal. And we're now, what, about a week since Coach Glenn left, and now this just happened. We'll see about the time frame, and we'll see how they move forward. But I don't think that this is anything that has necessarily blown Brent Pry's mind, I think it's probably just considered being not ideal. And I don't think that he was counting on losing Joe Rudolph at this point of the year. I mean, there were a lot of coaches that were hired yesterday. I looked around the country, a lot of coordinators, a lot of position coaches. So there's not really an off-season or a certain – this isn't like the transfer portal or things like that. I mean, coaches can come and go whenever they please. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. More coming up. Don't go away. 
getting your day started correctly with the finest sports talk known to all mankind. Pretty good. It's pretty, 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 pretty good. Big Dog Sports Talk returns next on WRAD. So Mark writes in on the text line. You can as well, 744-2990. Said, Rick, I hear what you're saying, but this is very concerning to me. Joe Rudolph was the biggest name on Brent Pry's coaching staff. Look at him as kind of being the anchor around a very young and inexperienced coaching staff. And now he's leaving, so all of a sudden there's nobody like that remaining on the staff. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate it. And, yeah, I understand that. Absolutely, Mark. I get that. I mean, and that, that's a very good point. I mean, everybody was inexperienced on that staff other than, well, J.C. Price and Joe Rudolph. So we'll see which direction Brent Pry goes. Teddy writes in, do you believe this indicates a problem that we don't know about? Teddy, I appreciate it. Um, I, I covered that a little while ago. I don't, I don't get that vibe that there's a problem. I mean, this is Notre Dame, and this is a lot more money, and we'll never know how this all came about or why it's coming about seemingly so late heading into March. But... One thing, and it came out even when he was on the show, Coach Pry. I mean, his honesty about the whole program throughout the season and then with what he told us heading into the spring, if he does get a moment to have a presser and talk about this, he'll be upfront about it. I believe he will. I don't think there's any point now in saying, oh, well, this was all the plan. We knew we were going to lose. You know, that's not going to be true. So, if there was a situation that surprised him, I, I expect to see Brent Pry go, yeah, I was kind of kind of took me off guard, to be honest with you. Didn't expect to lose Joe after one year. And some have written in that this indicates that good coaches are being recognized on a team that wasn't very good. So that also is a testament to uh, Brent Pry and his ability to find talented people. Yeah, there's something to that too. See, there's various points that you can discuss But I got to be honest, I mean, just from a results perspective, there was no more disappointing group on that football team than the offensive line. And when your offensive line isn't good on a football team, nothing else is going to work. The procedure penalties... Holding calls, I mean, all that, the procedure penalties were something we talked about how many weeks? That has to get better, right? So I don't know. I'm not just sitting here going, wow, what a massive law. I get it in reputation and in status. I get it in what he was being paid, but let's just see what happens. Let's see who gets in here. Let's find out 
you know, who they decide to pivot to and how this group responds. But yeah, I do agree. I didn't really care much for the release by Joe, uh, Rudolph. I didn't really, ca- I didn't really care much for that. Just say it for what it is. It's Notre Dame. It's a lot more money, and I'm moving on. All right, more coming up. We're halfway in hour number one. Mike Burnham, Jermaine Farrell, David Smith scheduled to join us later. minutes past the hour getting a lot of reactions 744-2990 on the text line jimmy writes in that this is an indictment of tyler bowen offensive coaches leaving mean that uh, maybe he's not in tune with the offensive coordinator who didn't have a great first year it is a big second year i agree with that jimmy thanks for the text message it's a huge second year for Tyler Bowen. There has to be major improvement there. Spring practice had a couple of you ask begins on March 16th. So you're looking at a little over two weeks before you need to have these two coaches replaced and get them in there and you need to get them in there early, right? So again, not ideal at all. And we'll see what happens. Um, A lot of people are very concerned about this, and I understand. We're going to talk to Mike Burnham about it and see what he has to say. But I'm just trying to look around different, different responses to this, and a lot of people are focused on that. Um. The biggest thing I think people are are kind of questioning, and it's kind of like the thing that I just talked about. I, this wasn't a good unit offensively last year, and yet they've lost two coaches. Right? And today, you got to look at it this way, too. I mean, I know a lot of times we go back to the old ways and how coaching staff stayed intact right that doesn't happen today you're not going to have a bunch of guys that come and build something as often and stay throughout this entire thing right so like i said you have to look at coaching staffs a lot like we're looking at the portal and the makeup of of rosters now in college football So, we shall see what happens with the whole thing. And we'll see how Brent Pry pivots. Right? But, it's not ideal. The timing is not good. And, that's factual. Right? That, that's not speculation. That's factual. 
All right, high school basketball last night at the Dedman Center. Floyd County girls knocked off Glenver 54-36. Congratulations to the Lady Buffs. They move on. State quarterfinals coming up. And in the battle of the black and gold, Radford High School knocked off Floyd 57-46. So on Friday, Graham will play the G-Men, will play the Bobcats, and then Floyd takes on Virginia High. Of course, in Class 2, everybody's trying to chase John Marshall, which is going to be a topic one day on a show, and what they're doing there has every other coach in the state and most regions very angry, but yet it's allowed by both the VHSL and the school district. So we'll get into some of that as well when that comes around again, especially if one of our local teams ends up having to try to knock off that monster, as was the case last year with Radford. But a very good year once again on the hardwood for our local high school teams. Congratulations to all the uh, young people. Virginia Tech tonight on the hardwood. Can't imagine there's going to be a whole lot of people staying up. The 9 o'clock tip at the Yum Center against a four-win team in Louisville tonight. Yeah. So, Tech 11-point favorites. That'll be one you wake up to and just see how they took care of business. I think they will, but like I say, it doesn't really matter at this point. It's about what's going to happen in the ACC tournament. Now, North Carolina seems to be making the push at the right direction. They win again, this time 77-66 in Tallahassee. Leakey, black, had 18 points. And I just, you know, Carolina's got Duke. Is this one in Chapel Hill? I don't know. I didn't watch the first one. I really don't care. I've never, never cared. You know, I got to be honest. I have never gotten any into the, any of the hype of the Carolina-Duke rivalry. It's an ESPN creation. And without them pushing it because of Dick Vitale back in the day, Mike Krzyzewski, this this rivalry would not be what they want it to be in terms of, oh, this is a national this is a national treasure. No, it's not. The Duke-North Carolina basketball rivalry is a complete creation of ESPN. It's no more important than Ohio State-Michigan, Tennessee-Kentucky, UCLA-USC, Texas-Texas State. You know what I'm saying? It's a regional thing. Nobody in the Big Ten cares about Carolina and Duke, especially this year. Nobody out west cares about Carolina and Duke. Nobody in the Southeastern Conference is going, ooh, got to make sure we watch that. The ultimate programming hype, which was just so, so overblown, so overdone back in the day, by the artist that used to be a credible sports network. Especially this year, right? So, 
I know a lot of people are going to think I'm wrong about that, but for me personally, I've never like, oh, it's must watch. It's not. Never has been for me. If it's on, if it's a good game, sure, I'll watch it. But, you know, I'm not a fan of either program. Okay. I mean, I'm sure Virginia Tech fan thinks the game against Virginia is just as important than Carolina and Duke when they play each other, right? And by the way, if you're going to have a rival, doesn't that rivalry need to be like something that you highlight and make a big deal out of? In every sport? Like Tech fan... Anytime you play Virginia in anything, it's a big deal, and you make it a big deal, which is the way it should be. You don't hear much about Carolina and Duke when they play football. <laughs> like you know, There's no, uh, no big promotional thing going on when they battle on the gridiron. I bet you can say that about Tech and Virginia, right? I mean, it gets a lot of play football-wise, even though Tech has made it not a rivalry because they've dominated the series. it's just okay Carolina and Duke yay yay neither one of them's ranked yay that's great it's gonna be awesome and let's just say right now it's pretty safe to assume that John Shire or Hubert Davis do not have the the moxie the personality as a Roy Williams or Mike Krzyzewski. They're just a couple of bland guys who, nothing wrong with that, but that was one of the main reasons. Krzyzewski was one of the main reasons that entire um, rivalry ever got any play on ESPN, right? He was the only reason. I will, I will believe that to the end. If Mike Krzyzewski had not been the coach at Duke, ESPN would have never gotten behind that and pushed it the way it was. If it had been somebody who didn't have that kind of moxie and pull, who would not work for them, which he did quite often. And Vital, of course, at the time. By the way, working with some of the national people that came to the Dedman Center, you know we had the three consecutive national games. And they were on ESPNU. And I'm not going to identify any of these people because that's not cool. But in talking with some of the folks around it, there's not a lot of love lost for Dick Vitale. <laughs> they don't. They don't. Uh, they don't have a lot of. They don't have a lot of affinity for Dick Vitale. This guy's awesome. Well, baby. I know. Rick Watson. He's awesome, baby, with a capital. I appreciate that, Diggy V. Not a lot of respect giving for his basketball moxie. Let's put it that way. By unnamed sources that came to the Dedman Center. <laughs> and I, I'm not even the one who started the conversation thread. They're the ones who just kind of go kicking around talking about it. <laughs> I 
By the way, uh, Radford Hoops will debut in the Big South Conference Tournament this Friday night. We're the late game. Oh, boy. Down in Charlotte. We'll be on the air, I'm guessing at 8, tip-off around 8.30. Um, Because we're going to have the tournament scenario, right? You have the first game, the 12, and then the other game start at 2.30. Then you have the break, and the game starts at 6. There's no way it'll be over in two hours. Why they think a game can be over that quickly, I don't know. It's really poor planning. I mean, they list the game times at 6 and 8. Knowing that college basketball games are two hours, and then you have a half hour in between. So I don't know why the tournaments continue to schedule that way. So, anyway. So, I'm guessing we'll be on at 8, 8.30 tip-off. Um, for Radford. And Winthrop, trying to beat a team for the third time. Winthrop won their last four games of the regular season. So we'll see how it all plays out. One bid league, right? I mean, UNC Asheville won 24 games, tied the all-time program record. They're number one with a bullet. But you know what's going to happen to Asheville if they lose in this tournament? They're going to the NIT. (laughs) I mean, and here comes the old debate that we talked about before, right? When I went into it with college football and for all the years they tried to BS us when we didn't have a playoff. We wanted to uphold the integrity of the regular season, yet they countered that every year with how they do conference tournaments in college basketball. Hey, you know what? You won how many games in the regular season? 25, 26? Oh, you lost in the quarters or semis. Guess what? You're not going to the NCAA. But this team who got on a roll in the tournament that weekend, who won 13 games, (laughs) they're in, baby. But wait a minute. Why is the regular season only important in college football, Mr. NCAA apologist man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway. And then you're torn because from a Radford perspective, like being the voice of the Highlanders, our only chance to make the tournament is to win the tournament. So it's a little different. <laughs> like the Highlanders have to win three games in three days to be dancing. And Asheville, who won 24 games, has to win three games in three days. Now they will get the consolation prize which they did incorporate a few years back, that if you win the regular season in your league, you automatically qualify for the NIT. So they know they'll be playing in the postseason. And you don't have to worry about buying games in the dreaded CBI or the CIT. But three wins is what you have to have. Some teams would have to have four. There's... 
couple of games, seven versus ten, eight versus nine tomorrow that will be played. That means you'd have to come through and win four games, which, you know, at that point, they don't really care, I don't think, because they're already kind of understanding that's their only chance, their only scenario to um, to make the tournament. So that's where we're headed in Charlotte. We hope people can come down and, and hang out with us and uh, hope you make the trip down to support the, the Highlanders coming up. That would be cool. Charleston Southern High Point and Presbyterian Campbell, the other uh, two games to get us to the quarterfinal field on Friday. So that's coming up a little bit later on. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back, wrap up hour one. Mike Burnham, I think he's still good to go. I know he's in Louisville. I don't know if he's had any travel distress or not. I know he hasn't had much luck lately on the airplanes. Jermaine Farrell and then uh, David Smith talks some NFL in hour three. Stay with us. Just got an update on tomorrow's show as well. We'll let you know about that when we come back. They're talking Hokies. What the heck are you even talking about? If it's local sports you seek, look no further. You found it. Don't you know? Talking about more BDST next on the WRAD Talk Network. Hi, this is Kenny Brooks, head women's basketball coach at Virginia Tech, and I love listening to Big Dog Sports Talk. important when you do a radio program to turn the mic on right <laughs> uh, so tomorrow on the program just uh, confirm that uh, Liz Kitley is going to join us once again as they get ready to head for their ACC tournament adventure just talk to a Virginia Tech spokesperson about that. So we know we're going to have Keon, Bill, and uh, Liz tomorrow. Liz scheduled to join us after Bill Roth at 8.35. So there you go. There you go. I like getting those text messages during the show. <laughs> those are kind of nice to get. Hey, yeah, you're good to go now. We just talked to Yeah, Liz is excited. Oh, okay, Going to be the ACC Player of the Year. All-time leading score. ACC Player of the Week again. She's had 9,220 double-doubles. That's what it feels like. She's a walking double-double. We know we had her on before the season. And now this will be good coming up after the season to get her thoughts as she... uh, Gets ready for the tournament. So that'll be good. That'll be tomorrow on the program. Liz Kitley joins us. Awesome. All right. Um, 
most people are kind of falling in one of three different categories with the Joe Rudolph situation. So now we're going to just find out maybe a little bit more from Mike Burnup, hopefully. Again, I believe Mike's good to go. Mike's pretty good about letting me know if he's had some travel issues or he may not be able to join us. I think we're good with Mike. I'm going to plan on it. We'll see what happens. Hope you're well wherever you might be. Hour two coming up. Dawn has arisen. After a windy, windy night, things look to be calming down outside. Sun is out, or coming up anyway. And we'll be back with hour two. Hopefully, Mike, when we come back. <laughs>